Welcome to Right, Just, and Inconvenient, a podcast where we talk about the Catholic faith and our walk towards holiness in today's cultural climate. We're your hosts. I'm Alex. And I'm Amanda. And we are both Catholic wives and mothers trying to raise the next generation of good and decent Catholics in today's world. And even though we don't always get it right ourselves, we invite you to walk with us on this journey to holiness. On today's episode, we're going to talk about confession, which is a, um, I mean, we could say controversial subject. I, I mean, it definitely is. It is. But um, not just with, like, different denominations, but within the Catholic Church, I feel like you'll find Catholics who don't believe that confession is necessary. My own family completely split on the subject. Um, some, and by some, I mean, like, me and my grandfather are gung-ho, yes, confession, and then, like, other members of my family, not so gung-ho confession. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that um, you don't need confession when you have God. I feel, I feel well-equipped to talk about the subject at this point because I've debated it so much within my own family, which has kind of forced me to do extra research on why we do it. Um, and it's also something that I questioned so much myself in high school. In high school... I did not want to go to confession at all, and we had that opportunity as part of just going to Catholic school. Um, you had the opportunity to go to confession, and I avoided it like the plague almost the entire time I was at John Carroll. Was it because you didn't believe that confession was necessary or because you were afraid to go? Um, at first, it was because I was afraid to go. Even though it's, I mean, I had been as a kid, but when you're a kid, when you're in second grade and you go to your first confession, it's like, I didn't clean my room Yeah. my parents told me to. And then some kids, like, make up sins. Did you ever do that? No. Oh, I totally did. Because I, because if we were going as a class, I didn't want to be left out. But I, uh, <laughs> I also sometimes didn't know what else to say. And I, I was feel always like, like I was mean to my brother. Because that's um, always true. I, mean, I never cleaned my room. I confessed still mean to my brother. Whoever heard my confessions in second and third grade just knew that my room was a mess always. Was that a sin? Um, I don't think I ever confessed that, but my room was never clean. I did because my parents asked me to clean it, and I did not. Or uh, I would shove everything under my bed or in the canopy of my canopy bed I had as a child. So you didn't honor your mother and I father. did not. That was my main, I think, thing was like, I didn't honor. I don't know if I That's probably like in that. like the top ten of eight-year-old sins that get yeah. confessed. Um, but so for the beginning of it, it was just that I was afraid to go because, I mean, as you go through high school and as you grow up in general, the sins that you are capable of committing get worse. And, um, most second graders are now, you know, drinking, stealing, smoking, whatever it happens to be. Um, Is that what you were doing in high school? (laughs) No. (laughs) That makes me sound like I was going complete ragamuffin, which... (laughs) And you also sound like you're 80. <laughs> because I said ragamuffin? Yeah. Okay. Um, but a big reason was because of the shame. And then I think because of my just hesitance to go to confession, I tried to justify why it wasn't necessary. Because I didn't want to go. I needed to find a reason why we didn't have to. Yeah. We could just confess our <clears throat> sins to God. Or I could just tell another believer. Like I, especially because within my family there's division on this. Um my dad in particular doesn't believe that confession is necessary. 
And so it's something that I think whenever I brought it to him specifically, he pointed to the same passage in the Bible that we use to kind of mark where Jesus institutes confession as a reason to go, yeah, but did he really mean this or did he mean something else? And I think it made me question things and made me justify not going for a long time. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I always just believed for some reason, but I was afraid and it did keep me from confession being afraid to go. And especially in high school, because I, I don't know, I feel like you're extra self-conscious in high school. You are. But um, I was, I, I always felt this nagging feeling t- that I needed to go. And I didn't go. I don't remember if I went at all, like, freshman through junior year. But I know I went once in my senior year. And it was, like, this huge deal for me. And I waited in, like, line because we had went, like, during, like, adoration and it was, like, this whole thing. And I just remember it being, like, a big deal. And I remember feeling so, like, free and relieved for, for finally being able to go. I did, too. Because I finally, whenever I finally said, okay, I do believe that this is true. I do believe it's something I should be doing. It was my senior year. And it was actually because of my philosophy teacher. Um, senior year, we got to kind of choose our theology class. And one of them offered was philosophy. And I thought, well, that sounds cool. I'll take philosophy. And, um... The great part about the philosophy class was it started out with a whole series on logic. So we actually had to learn how to construct logical arguments. And um, our teacher, Mr. Harb, who I honestly attribute the fact that I go to confession now to him because he did a whole speech to our class one day on it and it convinced me, honestly. But, um, But he equipped, I think, that class to more adequately go out into the world and defend the faith from a logical standpoint and not just from a, well, because the Bible says so, which is a great reason to do things or not to do things. Um, But that argument comes from authority. And so you have to believe in the authority of the Bible in order to go and do any of those things. Right. Um, But going back to where confession is actually biblical, which was incredibly important to me, as far as making the decision to go to confession, um, it comes up in John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Um, this is right after the resurrection. So it's right after the resurrection. Jesus is with his apostles. And um, he comes to them and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. So let's look at this for just a second. As the Father sent me, so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? He sent him to be crucified and take on the burden of our sin and bring us salvation. He sent Jesus to forgive sins. Um, and so as the Father is sending Jesus, Jesus is now sending his apostles in the same way. He's sending them to forgive sins. So he goes on and he, he breathes on them. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is huge. Um, Jesus is handing over the, the keys to the kingdom of heaven to his apostles. Um, and note, not just all of his disciples. Jesus had plenty of times where he was addressing the entire public or addressing large groups of followers where he could have breathed on everybody and he doesn't and he breathes on them 
breathing on him, breathing on them right now is only the second time in all of scripture where God breathes on anybody. It's a big deal. Um, the only other time it happens is in the creation story when he breathes life into Adam and Eve. So now Jesus is breathing onto his apostles. And for anyone who loves literature, especially, this is significant. Like even looking at it as just a, if we look at it as a work of literature, like this is God telling us, hey, look, an important plot point is coming right here. And he's asking us to pay close attention. And this is Jesus instituting the priesthood. So from this and from these original apostles, that is where the authority comes for modern day priests to, I hesitate to say to forgive sins because Jesus is the one forgiving. Yeah. Um, but this is what equips modern day priests because that, that authority has been passed down by generations of priests that go back to these apostles yeah. through the sacrament of holy orders. It's a direct line. Yes. From Peter, like, like Peter's our first, first pope. pope. Yeah. Um, down. And, um, even though it is the priest acts in persona Christi, which means in the person of Christ. So they, um, they are there to kind of facilitate it, I guess. Um, for lack of a better word, but, but it's Jesus who's forgiving your sin. Um, and I think that that, like, that was one of the points I was trying to like logically explain confession to my husband before he was Catholic. And, um, I think I threw everything that I could at him. (laughs) Um, but what he really needed to hear was what our priest actually told him. So he asked him and I was standing right there and he basically just told him that it was it was Jesus forgiving sin and, and that he, as a priest, was acting in Persona Christi. And that just, like, sold it for Andrew. Like, it, that was what he needed to hear. And I didn't even think to say that. It but, was just something that we, I think, that we take for granted or maybe sometimes don't question. Because for a long time, what made me hesitant was just this feeling of, like, that my confession depended on the experience I had with the priest. Yeah. And it doesn't at all right i feel like uh the priest is a person it, it's like a tangible it's just like with any sacrament where there are like like physical representations of the spiritual part of of what's happening the priest is is that physical representation of jesus i mean this happened this happens in marriage marriage is a great example um i mean god is god is marrying us when i married my husband like god was the true person that married me and my husband but the priest is there to facilitate that marriage. Yeah, and really you don't even need a priest. The two people that you need for marriage is yeah. you and your spouse. But, like, yeah, I mean, for that and then, like, we can do a whole episode on this too. But, like, with the Eucharist, you have, like, the bread, the physical host. But there's, like, the whole spiritual bread and body, like, happening too. Like, there's just, like, there are physical representations of, of kind of the intangible and I feel like because we see the priest, we think that he's the one confessing our sins. Even if we know, like, sometimes it's hard to, like, wrap our heads around it. But in reality, it's Jesus. So, like, when you're going into confession, you are straight up talking to Jesus. And I think you need to remember that because not every, like, we'll be honest with you. We always say we're going to be real. Not every experience that you have going to confession is going to be perfect. The priest is a human, and they're not going to say the perfect thing every single time. You could have 
an experience where the priest gives you some poor advice. Maybe he tells you something isn't wrong that really is wrong. And um, ultimately, that's your responsibility to know. But or you could have and I know, Amanda, you've had a rough experience where um, a priest will tell you something that like maybe even turns you off or like scares you away from confession or Catholicism in general. And you can you can tell your story. I mean, I think that what sparked during high school, I think what sparked my my hesitance a lot to go to confession was that I did. I I went to confession um, and just confession, I feel like prior to that experience had always been just very routine. Like there's a ritual about it and you go in and you talk with the priest and, you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to tell you my sins. You're going to maybe give me a little advice. You're going to give me a penance. We're going to do an absolution prayer. I'm going to leave. You kind of know what you're getting into when you go in. Um, and this particular time I went in and um, during high school, although I was Catholic, I didn't always go to Catholic mass. Um, I was kind of bouncing between Catholic mass and going to, since I attended a Presbyterian youth group, um, which was where my best friend went uh, at the time. I also attended their church services a lot because, I mean, I felt a lot of community there that I wasn't getting at my Catholic church that I had grown up in. So I went to the confessional because I had missed mass. And so I went in and I told the priest that I missed mass. And I said, but you know, I did, I did go to a church service. I went to Mountain Brook Presbyterian church was the church that I had gone to. Um, and then the priest said, in kind of the advice section, he said, you need to stop going there. Because you're going to be pulled into the fires of hell. And I was, I mean, 14, 15 years old. Like, I started crying immediately. Um, there were, was a box of tissues in the confessional, which should have been a signal, honestly, to me going yeah. in that this wasn't going to go well. But uh, but I started bawling. And, of course, when I left there, the first place I went was back to Mountain Brook Presbyterian Church. Because um, my best friend's mom worked there as the church secretary at the time. So I went there and I went to her office and I was bawling my eyes out still. Um, and I just told her what had happened. And looking back, I kind of, I, I hate that I think that that negative experience not only affected me, but affected anyone I told about it. Because then they're thinking, oh, well, confession is terrible. And I have had great confessions before and since then. But that experience turned me off of confession for a long time until I think I realized that it had nothing to do with the priest. Yeah. And that, first of all, that priest probably could have phrased things a little better, for sure. Especially to um, a fourteen-year-old. I mean, not but that he, he didn't. Could see you. He didn't know. I was behind a screen. That doesn't necessarily change things, but, um. But even Pope Francis says going to confession should be like an encounter with Jesus. I did not feel that day like I had had an encounter with Jesus, but that didn't change the fact that I received grace from that sacrament and that your sins were forgiven and that my sins were forgiven regardless of what he said to me in the confessional and uh since then i honestly have not had an experience anything like that since then i mean i've been going to confession now that was when i was 14 or 13 years now and it's gone pretty well honestly i think that confession story you told it to me i mean we became friends in college basically it scared me <laughs> and i mean i've been I've never had an experience like that personally, but I have had experiences where I've been given poor advice where like I'll go home, I'll look it up in the catechism and I'm like, oh no, it definitely is a sin. 
priests can priests are fallible. And I yeah. think we all have to remember that is that don't get me wrong, I don't think they ever intend to misguide you at all. No, um, and like that's where I was going, just like I think it's important to remember and I know that you were fourteen, so how I to be fair, at fourteen <laughs> it's hard to have a lot of perspective. But it is important to have perspective because, like, priests are fallible. And, like, one experience with, and I feel like this is why a lot of people leave the church in general, like, one experience with a priest or a parishioner, um, someone who you just know that's Catholic, one bad experience. A lot of people fall away from the faith because of Christians and not because of Christ. Yeah. and, And, like, people are fallible. People make mistakes. I mean, think of all the things that you've done that you're like, how did I do that? Or how did I hurt that person like that? Everyone, we're inclined to sin since the beginning of humanity. Um, we have been, we've been sinning. So, and, and that's why we have confession so that we can go and receive absolution and do penance and have our sins forgiven by Jesus. But the, um, the people that are in our lives should not be what takes us away from Jesus. Like Judas shouldn't be what deters you from following Christ. Yeah. You know, like there are going to be people who mess up around you and they shouldn't have an impact. And I know that it's hard to say that. Like, it's easy to say, it's easy to say that it's easy to say that like, you know, like you should know better than to leave Jesus's church because of one person. But I know that people have some terrible experiences and it and it just turns them off. I know that I think my dad has said a lot of times that like like people who go to church are hypocrites because you know they're And to be fair, to an extent, all people that go to church are kind of hypocrites. Sure. I mean, because we're all inclined to sin, like and we all still have mm-hmm. to uphold each other to the standard that we won't because we're all striving for this holiness, all striving for this perfection. So there's a standard there and it's a hard standard yeah. to achieve and it's one that by human nature we're never going to be able to we're not in church because we're perfect we're in church because we're not and we're not going to confession Uh, we're certainly not going to confession because we're perfect we're going to confession because we're not because we need help We're, we're spiritually sick in some respect and we can't do this alone we need the grace of god we need his help to get to the place where we can proudly go to him when we go to heaven like um, i've said it before that we we want to be as christ-like as we can to meet him we want to aim we want to aim for heaven so we're really we're aiming for heaven we are striving for heaven and part of that it's a refinement process it's a refinement process of our souls and the grace that comes from confession and also the humility it requires to even go to confession in the first place is just such an important part of that refinement. Um, And so, of course, you should go directly to God whenever you commit a sin. Of course, he should be your first stop. Like, even sins that, you know, require confession, which are mortal sins, and in the Catholic Church, there is a distinction between two types of sins. There's mortal sin and venial sin. Uh, Mortal sin, there's three pieces of criteria. So it was gravely wrong, seriously wrong. You knew it was gravely wrong or seriously wrong. And you decided to do it anyway. Um, And then venial sins is everything that doesn't fall into that category, which are still great to go to confession for. Um, But even when you commit the mortal ones that require you to go to confession, 
you should still immediately when you realize what you've done, go directly to God, pray to him, but then make it to your confessional as soon as you can. And I think there's something about um, the accountability of that too, because in the Bible we're told, we are told to go to confess our sins to the people that were breathed on. I mean, in the line of people that have continued that tradition. Um, and it also says to go to your brother, and that's okay in some sorts. Like, it's good to have someone to hold you accountable. And By all means, confess your sins to one another. It's a good, it's a good humility exercise. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to. You could also go to a priest who is trained and literally cannot tell anyone. Like, I mean, sometimes... Not a soul. Sometimes whatever you go into confession for isn't something you want people to know. And, like, I mean, Amanda, I love you, but if, I mean, if you were to tell everyone all of my sins that I have told you because we're we're good friends, like, I would not be pleased. But I know that a priest can't do that, you know? And um, that's, I think, one of the reasons that going to a priest is kind of good because you know, like, with objective certainty that they can't tell anyone. And, um, and this question comes up a lot, I feel like, after, you know, I took this Bible verse where Jesus hands over the keys of the kingdom and says, you know, the sins you loosed are loosed on earth, the sins you retain are retained, and this, you know, this authority that you handed over. I took that and I ran with that. I said, okay, confession is what I'm supposed to do. That is good, right, and true. That is it. I have found the truth. Right, just, and inconvenient. Yes, as All inconvenient the above. as it was. And I was, I was like terrified to go to confession for the first time. And after I did like that first confession after a couple of years of not going was fantastic. And I felt amazing afterwards. Um, but then I carried the same argument over into like my debates with my family members where I was like, okay, well here it is. Here it is in the Bible. It says right here, Jesus hand over the keys of the kingdom, like good enough. And then they said, not good enough. And here's why. <laughs> and here's why. He said, you know, he says, the sins you loose are loosed in heaven, the sins you retain are retained. Well, why does I have to be a priest? Why can't I, why can't I confess to my brother? Why isn't that confessing to a brother or sister in Christ sufficient? Why isn't that good enough? Why can't they, you know, forgive my sins in, you know, God forgive my sins through them and not the priest? And uh, this is the part that always stumped me for the longest time. And the first portion of that does come down to the text he breathed on them. He's breathing on them, not a huge group of people, his apostles. He's instituting a priesthood here. Um, but the second part comes down to the fact that there is still a ministerial priesthood. That's important. Um, a rebuttal to this, like where we say that, you know, we should be able to go to our brothers and sisters is that we are all, since the coming of Jesus, he has fulfilled the covenant of the Old Testament where we have this priesthood and now we're in the New Testament and we are, that's fulfilled. We don't need a priesthood anymore because we're all called to be priests. We're all called to a priesthood, a universal priesthood in Christ. And um, part of this comes from Hebrews. Um, in Hebrews chapter 7, it says, this makes Jesus the surety of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number, but they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So I think that some people see this as kind of a proof that Catholicism and their priesthood isn't needed anymore. Mm -hmm. um, because 
Jesus has fulfilled this old covenant and established a new. But the same thing really occurs in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, um, in Exodus, I think it's chapter 19. I may have to go back and look up what verse this happens in, but this blew my mind. Is that in Exodus chapter 19, they're talking about a priesthood of all believers, of God's chosen people, which at the time was were the Jews. So God's chosen people are a universal priesthood. And then like two verses later, they go on to still talk about a ministerial like priesthood separate from that universal priesthood. And so in the New Testament, we see a parallel of that, which I never knew until this podcast forced me to investigate it. But um, so in 1 Peter 2, it does kind of like reestablish that all Christians are priests. So we do see these two types of priesthood represented in the New Testament. We are a universal priesthood. We are called to a universal priesthood. But separate from that, there's also the ministerial priesthood that mirrors the one that we have in the Old Testament. Um, and that's, you know, our Catholic priesthood is that in modern times. It is that ministerial priesthood that we go to. So whenever Jesus is breathing on his apostles, we have that ministerial priesthood in addition to the fact that we are all called to be disciples of Christ. And so that's kind of what separates the apostles at the time from just all of Jesus' followers and what separates the priests and the fact that we need to go to a priest for confession from you. You know, if I have sins from going to you or my dad or my brother or my cousin or whatever it is. Right. Um, that's the important part of it. And uh, so from this also, and I think that this predominantly is kind of what divides um, non-Catholic Christians from Catholics on this is that kind of a, uh, like Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient for all of our sins. So by saying that I have to go to confession to be forgiven for these mortal sins, is that saying that the crucifixion was in some way insufficient of forgiving those sins? And uh, first of all, no. We're not saying that Jesus' sacrifice was in any way insufficient at all. He has paid the price for all the sins we have done, we do now, and we will do in the future. Um, Give us your metaphor. <laughs> in full disclosure, so, we have already started to record this episode and realized that it was... Uh, that we recorded nothing. Yeah, so she came up with this great metaphor on the fly, and I just want to give her credit <laughs> for the fact that this just like came out of nowhere. And it's really good, so go ahead and say it for I the second like time. I like Michael Scott, where he's talking about, the, talking about his sentence, and he's like, I just hope that I would find it along the way. I feel like we've referenced this before. Um, we've watched The Office. No, go <laughs> ahead, go ahead. Okay, so... Why, it's, why it is sufficient. Okay, so it is sufficient, and this is why. Okay, so say it's, say it's your birthday, and you're given a gift card. You're going to be given a gift card to a restaurant, because you're going to go out to eat. So... Basically, Jesus is buying your birthday gift card. Jesus is going to the restaurant. And he's going to buy your birthday gift card for, let's say, 50 bucks. Um, but that gift card is given to you for your birthday. Now, I have the gift card, and it's worth $50. But I don't have any food yet because I haven't gone to the restaurant to actually place the order. Um, so... 
So Jesus's crucifixion is the gift card. It is the gift card. Um, and he's gone to the restaurant and he's already given the payment for your sins, which is in this metaphor, the food. He's paid for it. It's ready to go. And he's given it to you. But until I go to the restaurant to place the order, it's useless because I haven't gone to the restaurant or the confessional to actually place the order for the forgiveness of my sins. I love it. <laughs> it really is good. She came up with it just on the fly. I got given a gift card for my birthday, so it just, it reminded me because I was like, okay, well, what's something that someone, you know, pays for that you don't have yet? And I was like, well, that's gift cards. That's nice. how it works. No, but I mean, it's a great point because, and that like, with the fact that, like, yes, of course, like, he paid he paid for our sins on the cross. Um, and we are saved in some way. I know that that's a big word in Protestant churches, saved. Um, but we do have to use the gift card. If you leave it in your car and it's just sitting there, if you don't do anything with this saving, um, then nothing will come of it. You won't get your food. You have to use it. You have to go to confession. You have to... Um, do the things that Jesus calls us to do in the Bible. I mean, there are so many works, so many things that we are asked to do and so many things we are asked not to do. And I think, and, and I think you know, what is it, John 3.15, like Tim Tebow had on his face for the longest time. I'm not saying anything bad about Tim Tebow. I love that he represented Christianity on the football field. You, I don't know why I'm asking you because you know squat about anything to do with football. Yeah, I've, we had that. No, that may have been Philippians. Go ahead. But, uh, <laughs> I was thinking of volleyball. But John 3.15, like, um, or 3.16, see, this is how much I don't know actually where this verse is, but it's John 3-something. Um, it is, you know, all who believe in me, I think, will be, or, I don't know, look it up. Google it for me. <laughs> I'm going to mess it up if we don't. 3.16. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so popular. For God so loved the world. It's that one. Are you going to say the rest of it? No, I just looked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Work with us here. Uh, For for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yes, this is the exact verse I was talking about. I just had no idea how it was actually phrased. (laughs) But, and, and I think that if you take just this verse completely out of context, like your assumption is that as long as I believe in Jesus, I'm going to go to heaven. And... Even though that paints a wonderful and beautiful picture, I think that I think that we can't just isolate singular verses out of the Bible and take them to build entire beliefs out of them. I think we have to look at all of them. All of them are important or they wouldn't have made it into the Bible. And I think that especially this makes John chapter 20 important in the Catholic faith is because why would Jesus have had this whole meeting with his apostles where he breathes on them only the second time in scripture and says something as profound as the sins you forgive here are forgiven and the sins you retain are retained? That is a huge, very weighty statement. Why would you say something like that and put a whole verse in the Bible that you knew because you are God would go on for generations if it wasn't important, if it didn't matter? So, I love John 3.16, clearly not enough because I don't know what it says, but, <laughs> but I love the idea of it. I think that, of course, like, whoever believes in him is saved, but I think part of believing in him is believing in his whole work of the Bible, believing in all of it. And I think a big part of that is, I mean, the constant pursuit. Like, Christianity is, is, not, a, is not a one-time fix. 
It is not the drive through experience. It is the sit-down restaurant. <laughs> We're talking about food. Are you hungry? <laughs> I am hungry. <laughs> but it is. And I think we have to make sure that we take all of it in context and not just singular bits of it. Yeah. I think, um, I think that, like you said, believing in, in Jesus is enough. But believing in something means believing in all of something. And... And Part of believing in Jesus means I believe what he said in John chapter 20. Yeah, just like when, when people say that they're Catholic, and but they, but they don't believe this part of Catholicism. Okay, well, are you really Catholic? Because, because I, the Catholic Church has very specific beliefs. And you are something. Yeah. Like, you, if you believe in Jesus, but not necessarily all of it, it's not that you just aren't a Christian at all, but, like, you aren't Catholic currently. And, and it's fine. I mean, like, wherever, you, we always say this, wherever you are on your journey, it's great. That's where you should be. Keep seeking truth. You'll get where you need to be. And we will too. I mean. Obviously there's a portion where I didn't go to confession for several years because well, I didn't want to. And, and I was scared like, of it. It's not like we know everything coming into this. For instance, there was a lot of research that came into us doing this episode. Like we knew enough about confession. But part of the reason we're doing this podcast in general is so that we can learn more. And um, this is what we learned from seeking truth. And the more that you research on your own um listening to us hopefully helps you but like if you don't believe what we're saying look into it um if you have questions about and tell us what you disagree with yeah please comment on our post we'll post about this um confession episode and let us know what you still aren't vibing with we'll do another episode um to talk about those things and then um with confession if you are catholic please go. Please don't be afraid. Um, or be afraid and go anyway. Because you can be afraid and brave at the same time. You can. And, and don't, let, don't let shame be something that deters you from not going. Um, my, my parish priest, because one time I just told him when I was in confessional, after we got done, I said, I get so afraid before I come in here. And it's never a bad time. Like, especially, like, with this parish priest, like, I've never had a bad experience in confession with him. Like, he has always made me feel very comfortable comfortable enough to tell him like look this terrifies me every time I have to do it even though I've done it a billion times and he said that comes from the devil he was like us like the priests he was like Jesus he was like he doesn't want you he wants you to feel sorrow and remorse for your sins but he doesn't want you to feel shrouded in shame the shroud of shame is from the enemy not from Christ and coming into this confessional is not a shameful experience like I hope to see people in the confessional because I know that people are sinning. He was like, and people coming in the confessional means that they're chasing heaven and chasing salvation and chasing forgiveness. So let's, um, let's do that. Let's chase salvation. Let's chase heaven and, um, try to remember that you're not alone. If you ever want to DM us, talk to us about, um, confession or something you're struggling with, please do. We want to walk this journey with you. And, um, Confession is a hard one just because I know it is, and it is the devil telling us that, like, we should be so scared to go in there. But you're going in there to talk to Jesus, and Jesus loves you. And Jesus already knows what you did, yeah. so um, you might as well. So we hope that you have a great rest of your week. Um, keep up with us on social media, and please keep seeking truth. <laughs>